Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this week in racing and preview next week and the weeks to come. Joining me in the studio, I've got Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Good, thank you. It's F1 week. It's F1 week. Yes, it is. Yep. After... uh, after a long off season, we're getting ready to start F1. But uh, before we get into talking about Formula One, we did have a interesting NASCAR race over the weekend at Atlanta. I know last year or last week we talked about Atlanta a little bit and the um, you know the the older conditions of the track. Um, and we saw um, you know, a little scuffle after the Xfinity race. And uh, we've been talking about the Penske guys chomping at the bit all year long, but Penske finally gets a win. And it's not your usual spe- suspects, Brad or Joey, but uh, Ryan uh, Blaney takes the win there in NASCAR, but not after Kyle Larson kind of, uh, uh, you know, ruled the day until he just uh, came up a little bit short at the end. So, uh, Louise, Richard, what do you guys think about the race down there in Atlanta? Yeah, aside from basically Larson leading 269 of 325 laps, it was just – I'm still – surprised the fact of how Larson is so good at those one and a half mile tracks. Some of them, a good number of them, when you think about mile and a half, you think of Homestead or even Chicago, but the fact that still Larson could have had, he had a second win at a mile and a half track in the bag, but all of a sudden the tires got completely shot. It was like he was installed within the one that's been quietly good, but in far from a radar, Ryan Blaney kept that, it kept that it ate it up and rather than being the guy that wins those dramatic finishes, he's the guy that actually put in the work that kind of like his first one when he dealt with Kevin Harvick at Pocono 2017. And I was not expecting Blaney to be like the top Penske car. I was thinking, because I mentioned a, lot, a couple of times already this season that compared to Brad and Joel, he's just not been there. But the fact that he showed up in high volume and pulled that amazing feat was just, just incredible. So in my eye, I was going to go with Larson driver today, but Dave Laney stole it from him right on the final eight laps. But behind Larson, it was what just you say? You said Dave, Dave Laney, Dave, yeah, Ryan Blaney. Let me I, let me recover. I, I, Dave I, I, Laney could have won I, 20 years ago <laughs> if it wasn't for that loose wheel in Atlanta, and then the Harvick Gordon thing would have not happened. But who knows? But yeah, Dave was at attendance, 
And people don't know this. Uh, Dave actually, for a period of time, was a Bush Series winner there in 1999 when they disqualified Mike Skinner for like an illegal engine. Skinner won the appeal, so they reinstated him to win. So it was definitely a huge win. You don't see the emotion from Ryan Blaney all that much, and he did because he knew it was a big deal. Now it's a stress relief that now, because he won in round number round number seven, round number six, excuse me, Compared to the past, and Blaney's more of a second half tail end of the season race winner, but he won early. So I can I will not be surprised if Blaney racks up multiple wins, which is key for him to be a playoff contender deep in the run because we've seen at times strongly consistent. But when it comes to the playoffs, when it matters most, something happens, and getting a win right out of the game will probably bring a new level of urgency but more confidence in him being competitive and win more races because that's going to be instrumental if he's ever going to win a cup championship indeed and again we've got another different winner so we've had a different winner every race this season so far and 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 again you know that trend could continue because we still got a lot of the heavy hitters out there that haven't visited victory lane yet so now uh richard um let's talk about uh, kyle larson a little bit uh, because it's just it's just kind of amazing to me how he was able to just kind of dominate this whole race, mm-hmm. but 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 then at the end there, um, he just ran out of tires. I mean, was it a matter of uh, was the was the last stint longer? Um, yeah. uh, you know, it was it was it pit strategy that kind of fouled him up because uh, well, he, looked, he looked to be doing a, a decent job of you know managing um, the gaps between the stops there until the end. Oh, I mean. In, you know that was that drive was like I'd say sort of like Kevin Harvick esque, wasn't it? You know some of the drives that Harvick's put in over the last few years, or maybe a Denny Hamlin esque, or a Martin Truex back at um, the Coke Six Hundred in seventeen or eighteen, I think, wasn't it? You know he just dominated the field. Uh, you know it was it was on that level, you know, in terms of domination. Um, but the, the the setup on these cars is extremely fickle. Uh, you know the, the tires will only do seventy-five miles, hundred miles, which is you know ridiculous. I mean, road car tires are doing you know hundred times that, two hundred times, a thousand times that, whatever it may be. Uh, you know they'll go for for years some road tires, but you know the amount of energy that's going through them is, is phenomenal. The amount of grip they generate from from their heat cycles again is is huge. So it's to be expected that they wear out very very quickly. And and Atlanta is an abrasive surface. So that uh, last sector, though, the final stage, they they got to a point where you, you, without cautions, you like to split it in two. You want to split it in half. So, and I can't remember the numbers uh, off the top of my head, but if the last stage or the last potential green flag run is, say, 90 laps or 100 laps, it says 100 laps, you want to pit at lap 50. So you've got 50 laps on each set of tyres. So you're about balanced. But what happens is somebody who's back in the pack, who's running like 15th or so, they'll get to like 55, 56 laps to go. And it'll be like, right, we're going to throw up, you know, take a bit of a chance. So they'll pit early. What that does is because especially at Atlanta, the, the, the drop off is so fast. I mean, you can be like two to three seconds a lap faster with new tires. As soon as one car pits, Basically, everybody's got to follow because they'll lose track position. And what that'll allow them to do is be on 
you know, an optimal tyre for longer if there's a late race caution. So somebody will will throw a bit of a say, okay, look, if there's a caution with ten laps to go, we'll we're gonna, you know, have a go at it and and see how we end up. And that sort of shuffles everybody out. So you're now forcing these guys to run longer on a set of tyres than they really want to. And the, the the setup of the car and the geometry of the car in Larson's car just wasn't set up for you know running that long. Uh, maybe he pushed the tires too hard. I doubt it because he was in control of the race for long periods there. So I doubt it's his driving style. It's just the setup. You know, Dave probably ran a little bit more camber, which gave him more grip. But you know, if you increase the camber, you reduce the contact patch with the tarmac, which heats the tires up faster, which is great for grip but it means you get the tyre wearing out quicker. And they were seeing some cars, even after like a 45-lap run, were getting blistering and, and splitting in the carcass of the tyre. So, you know, when you get into a 55-lap run on the set of tyres, you are going to have to, you know, manage them a little bit better. And and it was, you know, Penske, you know, maybe just with Blaney, they just got that set up right and they just didn't have it with Lars, which was a shame because I don't think anybody would have begrudged Lars and the win there because he was fantastic all race. But it's just... You know, somebody took that shot with, you know, 55 laps to go and you have to react to it to, to keep, uh, you know, otherwise you're just going to lose too much ground. You know, if you if you're 20 seconds, if you're two seconds a lap faster on a new set of tyres and you stay out, you know, 10 laps longer, that guy's almost getting the whole lap on you. So around Atlanta, you know, somebody short stopping, um, you know, certainly forces everybody's hand. And I think that's what caught last and the Hendrick team out there. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, because we we've seen you know there's a tremendous difference in lap times, uh, you know when the, when the tires are worn out and historically, uh, for the last few years anyway, the, the Penske cars seem to have been set up and, and better on long runs. Um, well, so it I mean, varies. I mean, yeah, it varies. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. I mean, just I think more often than not, we've seen uh, uh you know, like especially with like Keselowski, you'll see him kind of drop back at a restart and then kind of really kind of work his way back up. So I don't know if that's something in the, in, in the, the Penske setup or the dynamic or if it's just, or if it's just a coincidence. I think it's just a coincidence. Cause if you remember when Larson won the championship, he won it on a short stop strategy, you know, that the, the, you know, his car went down at Homestead the year he won the championship was fantastic over 20 laps with over 50 laps. It was terrible. Whereas Truex was the opposite you, you mean, around and there was a yeah, Larson in the championship. Back. Sorry. You mean Logano? Logano. Sorry, Logano. Okay, so we've got um, we've got Dave Blaney winning races and, and no, no, Kyle Larson winning, winning championships. championships. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? But no, it is all it is all you know, they do so much modeling of the tires and they do so much simulation work and so much, you know, preparation these days that there is an optimum they come you know, they will determine an optimum. And the problem is, unlike Formula One, for example, or to a certain extent, IndyCar. There's so many variables thrown up here in, in NASCAR that you know you your predictions and your planning sort of tend to go out the window within a couple of laps of the start of the race, typically. And you know it, it is very very hard to to predict that. You know, unlike some of the other sports or the other racing series around. So it it is typically driver preference. You know, if somebody is a little bit softer on the throttle and a little bit gentler on the brakes, then, you know, they may go for a longer setup. If there's somebody a little bit more aggressive, they may tune the car for a short setup to take advantage of the driver's, you know, particular driving style there. 
All right. Well said. So we did have the Xfinity cars um, down there as well. And the, like I alluded to, there's a little scuffle after the race. This is the kind of thing uh, that makes news and gets uh, folks all riled up. So we, it was um, Daniel Hemrick and um, Noah, Noah Gregson uh, having a little scuffle at, at the end of the race over something that ha- had happened on pit road prior to the race. So Louise, you want to take us through that? Well, the thing with Gregson and Hamrick was during one of the last pit stops of the actual race where, depending on whose side you're on, you had Ham- Gregson sliding with Gregson or Hamrick sliding their own pit stall. Ham- Hamrick backed it up a little bit. Gregson backed it up. But a while backing it up, it hit the right front fender of the right front nose, basically punched a hole to some extent. It's like I like to refer on Hemrick's car, naturally, Hemrick was not happy because it put some endangerment to the crew members, but also affected the car. Albeit both of them had good results, nobody could hold the stick like Martin Truex Jr. until he got a spitting penalty, and subsequently Justin Allgaier won the race. But completely overshadowed by that scuffle were Gregson, while being interviewed by, with PRN, got shoved by Hemrick, and then led to a tussle, and they, got, they had to be separated. And then the big thing that really I drew ire of Gregson once again is the fact that he says he ran over, he ran his mouth too much. And the fact that he said, like, of course, Hamrick would be frustrated due to the fact of where he is in his career. I'll pl- uh, saying that, oh, he was this one time cub driver. Now he's back to Xfinity, still hasn't won a race and all of that. It's like, Stuff like that goes more than just what happened on paper, but also more like you question Gregson's attitude, reputation. Because this is a, this is like the fifth or sixth time in the past year he's been involved in conversations. You go back with Maya Snyder, Harrison Burton, now this year with David Starr over something that in my eye was a racing incident. Now, Richard, tell me, just explain if, if what you know much about tires because how crucial it is, even if the slightest slightest wear could be altering to a car's performance like what we saw at Homestead. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it'll make a huge, huge difference. And and what it is, is it's temperature range that the tire operates in. Now, where uh, NASCAR you know, varies from something like Formula One is they don't have tire blankets. And we, we you know, there, there was, when I was, you know, around the teams on a regular basis, there was talk about coming in with tire blankets there. And, um, you know, any sort of, um, and, and also, you know, each tire is different. You know, they're all molded from rubber compounds and they're, they're pretty close, but they are all different. And, you know, you will, you will get different results and different performances from different sets. So, they are they're completely totally critical here and it's all about you know when you say about tire management what you're really trying to do is is heat management and you know for for you know people remember the physics when they're in uh, in in high school you know pressure and temperature and volume of the tire of of a gas are all um you know related to each other now obviously the volume of uh, the air inside the, the, the air inside the tire never changes unless you poke holes in the side of the tire, but that's a story for another day. So the temperatures, you know, are, and the pressures are constantly increasing throughout the run, and it is all about managing those. And at any level of racing, you know, truck Xfinity, Cup, Arca, you know, even at your little, you know, modified tracks, it's all about tire management because the physics never changes never changes on these things and uh 
Yeah, there's a lot of work going on out there right now by a lot of smart people to try. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey guys, gut check. If your six-pack abs are covered with flab, it's time to cut the fat. Lose weight the easy way with Nutrisystem for men. Now delivering hearty inspirations meals that fill you up without letting you down. We're talking bigger lunches and bigger dinners packed with protein to control hunger for up to five hours. From savory bourbon chicken to mouth-watering meatloaf, they're exactly what a man's body needs to power through the day. You get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and snacks. All fully prepared, totally delicious, and delivered free to your door. No salads, no juices, just real food for serious appetites. Order today and get all new fuel shakes for men. They're made with the key ingredient Velocitol that doubles the power of protein to help you maintain muscle mass while losing weight and feeling satisfied. Don't wait any longer. Order now for a simple way to lose weight, build strength, boost energy, and burn fat. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash protein to lock in your special deal offer restrictions apply see website for details and better understand that but uh, you know you, you take something like a formula one team and they'll probably have i mean i just think how many mercedes i'm guessing here 20 to 30 tire engineers that are constantly looking at tire performance and creating tire models for simulation and all this sort of stuff very very complicated work you take a nascar team they may have one or two tire engineers and the tire technicians you see on the track they're not the tire engineers they just mount the tires and check temperatures and wear rates when they get them off so uh it's uh i i think personally the the issue of tires in nascar is going to evolve massively in the next four or five ten years because that's one of the most untapped areas of development and understanding from a team's perspective yeah i mean to your point yeah i mean nascar has had this kind of love-hate relationship with goodyear over the years you know, mm-hmm. uh, where, where you've got, uh, you know, drivers as prominent as, you know, guys like Tony Stewart, just, just calling out the, the tire company, which, which, you know, to the, to, to their credit, you know, maybe they, they didn't, you know, get it, the, you know, the right compound or the right product there. But I really wonder how, you know, the, the new car uh, is going to handle what, what Goodyear is going to do there. And, and I really wonder if, uh, you know, Goodyear is in it for the long haul with NASCAR. Cause I've always kind of, felt like they're, they're just kind of hanging on to that. And I don't know if that's just my perception or whatnot, but I, but when I compare it to say the relationship that um, Firestone has with IndyCar, I mean, you rarely, you rarely see an IndyCar driver throw Firestone under the bus. Yeah, that's very uh, rare. All you uh, talk about is tire dang rather than complain about it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, problem- you'll hear about it, but you, but it, honestly, IndyCar does nothing but praise Firestone for being, uh, a, a wonderful so, partner and you know and to their point they are so but i just you know i just i kind of wonder sometimes how uh you know how yeah. much how long how much longer goodyear is gonna say hey, you know well, hey they, these guys are <laughs> you know they're they're um they're just beating us up i think the problem that goodyear have is you know you put it into context you've got say 40 cars per weekend you know cup race and also, you know, the trucks and Xfinity all run the same tyre compound, typically. 
So you've got 40 cars in the cup race. And I can't remember the allocation off the top of my head. It's something like 15 to 18 sets of tyres for the weekend, maybe. But, you know, you just then you start to work out pretty quickly how many tyres they take to each race weekend. And unlike, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think IndyCar has a pretty standard tyre compound. You know, it'll have a you know, an oval tyre and then they'll have a, a road course tyre. Obviously, they'll have the, 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 the red stripe and the black, you know, tyres there. But, right, yeah, they've got the harder, the, the you know, the option yeah. tyre. I don't the think there's compound, a yeah. huge... Yeah, I, I don't think, but, you know, there's a huge variance between events. But you take uh, cup racing and they've got a, a chart of maybe 10 to 15 different compounds that they'll take to each race. And then they split compounds, you know, right and left side, depending on the, you know, the banking and the curve and the char- loading characteristics of each track. So they have a huge number of variables to work with compared to what you see in Formula One and uh, an IndyCar. So it is difficult. Uh, you know, Goodyear certainly don't have an easy time with trying to make tyres that are A, reliable, and B, perform well, because everybody wants to see tyres that drop off quicker than the fuel load. You know, you, you want to have a race that's always tyre-limited rather than fuel-limited, typically, for entertainment value. And, you know, Atlanta shows that perfectly because it's a tyre-limited track um, purely based on the wear rate, not because of the tyre they take there. So it's, it's a very, very difficult situation for Goodyear as a manufacturer. But they, you know, they, they, you know, they do a reasonable job. You know, you never see a guy win a race and bitch about the tyres, do you? You know? No, no. <laughs> well, well, so, who knows? Maybe Kyle Busch, like the car tomorrow, but who knows? Tyres are usually not brought up in fairness yeah. and I, I certainly and i don't think the next gen car whichever one it is going to be ne- you know gen eight is it seven eight whatever it seven. may be seven yeah coming out in 2022 i don't think you're going to you know you're going to see a huge change in tire performance there obviously you have different suspension arms you know you're going to a more conventional suspension that you'd see on a lot of um your tin top race cars around the world you know you're getting rid of the old 1960s style truck arms that control the rear suspension. You get a, you know, you're getting a, a conventional suspension in front of independent suspension in front of a better word. So I don't think you're going to see a huge variation in um, um, tire performance going. You know, I think it'll maintain. Are I think Atlanta is always going to have high rates. Aren't they? Isn't the next car going to a a shorter sidewall? Uh, oh, or lower profile tire. Yeah, yeah, I think it is a single. It's a single nut lower profile, but that that doesn't really make a huge difference because you'll, in theory, the shorter the sidewall, the stiffer the tire, and the more the the the, the lower the handling performance because you don't have the compliance in the tire wall. But they can soften that tire wall up, so you still get the compliance within the tire wall. Um, I mean, when you look at the pressures that they run at the moment, it's incredibly low at the start of the re- at the start of the run. Um, but of course, you know, as the temperature builds in the tire, the pressures increase towards the end of the run. So that's why you'll typically see on the first couple of laps of a race, you know, like the truck arm mounts will spark on the or the jack post will be sparking away. Um, and you won't see that at the end of the run because the pressure's raised inside the tire and that's raised the car. So if you've got a smaller sidewall or a you know, lower profile tire, 
it may mean that you, you don't get that variance. So you'll have to run a slightly higher ride height at the start of a run. But I don't think it's going to make a huge difference there. Okay. And again, all that remains to be seen. So now, now speaking of tires at different services, um, next week we're running on dirt cup. Well, when was the last cup race on dirt, Louise? 1970, 1970. So it's won by Richard Petty. Right. So right at, right at 50 years. So we've, uh, we've loaded all this dirt into the Bristol motor speedway packed it in there. They've been running some, uh, running some races there, um, Mm -hmm. in preparation for the, for the big cup weekend. And I believe the, uh, trucks and Xfinity are also all running on the dirt. No, just trucks. Mars Marsville is the next Xfinity race, which will okay. not be till another two weeks because obviously Easter is a week off for the NASCAR boys and girls. Wow, is it Easter already? Uh, where is it? Yeah, oh. if, yeah. yeah. Next week. So, a question, and I don't know the answer to this. What happens if it rains? Will they still run? They'll they'll stop it at a certain point because dirt racing has to be surface like raceable. It's got to be raceable. If it gets too muddy, then to the point where it's not. Raceable or not in the quality they would like, they have to stop it. And that one is more egregiously difficult to manage, where sometimes it could get canceled <laughs> a little bit quicker than it, with, with surface. As I recall back in Volusia, when one of them, when rain happened, it got, it pretty much they couldn't continue. They had to alter the schedule a little bit for the sprint cars and all that stuff. Yeah. But for when it comes to the Bristol dirt races, not the first time they've done it. They've done it 20 years ago when they had the World of Outlaws run there, which was on the good old TNN station back when TNN was seen before it became what is it now, like Paramount Network, whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. But it'll be curious to see how it is because rain is expected. There's, I've heard talks that rain could be a concern. But also just how they manage because a lot of the races, based on some clips, had a bad time getting through where they couldn't even make it to the start where there was a pile up. That is my ultimate concern of where at any point where it's gonna be a bad restart where everybody piles in. Because this is people forget hey, this these is guys only- are the best. These guys are the best, yeah. Well, yeah. We the but- last time we said something about these guys are the best, you saw several cars plowing in the turn three wall in Michigan. <laughs> And anyway, and, or in real life, and or real life, let's not let's not forget the iRacing thing in Michigan. How bad that was! All right, we're not yeah, talking. Be, we're not talking about iRacing. I know we're not. But, it, <laughs> I, but hey, in fairness, I did mention the '96 US 500 before I tossed in iRacing just to save my butt here. Okay, all right. <laughs> so you're just you're just pulling out all kind of random straws here and there. So, um, you know, I mean, what, what are you gonna tell me next about the start of the? 72 Indy 500. So, <laughs> no, we're not talking about 73. 73, yeah. Um, so, anyway, so we're setting up for dirt in a cup car. Okay. Now, Richard, uh, in all your years um, engineering race cars, have you ever engineered a race car for a dirt service or is this something totally foreign to you? Um, I've had drivers that have thought they're in a dirt race. Okay. That's, um, <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> they spent more time in the mud and the grass than they have, uh, you know, on the black stuff. But uh, no, I must admit, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to seeing it, you know, and, and um, you know, how these cars, because they're, they're big, you know, the trucks are a little bit more nimble and a little bit more agile. And, you know, you, you can see them around um, Eldora, isn't it, where Tony Stewart's truck, where they've run in the, in the dirt before. 
but um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how these big clumbersome cars, you know, get on around there. And um, I think you, yeah, I, ooh, I don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna work out. It's certainly gonna be a an experience. I mean, you look at the obviously, you know, the guys that grew up dirt racing. You know, your your Bell and your Blaney. Probably, I think he's got a quite a bit of dirt track experience, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and, and very minimal compared well. to yeah yeah um but uh, you know you expect those sort of guys to step up and i know there's a few especially in the truck race there's a few like dirt ringers uh you know stepping up isn't there so as well with chris windham chained a little bit and mike marlar and stewart there's there's a few yeah yeah boris said in there anywhere (laughs) no wrong wrong type of ringer yeah so (laughs) <laughs> but, I'm still hoping uh, no, Tyler Corey be... somehow makes the cup, but it's not going to happen. It's just to have three NOS Energy cars. Yeah, and well, how but... many, uh, didn't didn't I see there's more than forty entrants for the cup race, or am I making that up? Only thirty nine in cup, forty four in trucks. So four so of them will go... go home on Saturday. Okay, so they do have quite, and also in the cup they've got like heat races as well, haven't they? Yeah, to determine the starting, the official starting lineup. Okay, for yeah, I mean it'll be um... lap event. It'll be interesting. Now is the I guess the pit road's not this it now it's been an interesting one. I guess the pit road is tarmac as normal. There's some dirt, but I've also heard it there's not gonna be like live action pit stunts according to a tweet that I saw. So Yeah, you see that was what I was thinking. I think you're just gonna get dirt dragged down the pit lane. Oh pit road, sorry. And um <laughs> you know, it's just gonna you know, the guys in the first few boxes are just gonna get showered with mud coming off the uh, pit lane entry. Yeah, but it's probably why. But probably Sorry? why they're not having live action stops. Just yeah, but that's to... crap, isn't that? That's terrible. I don't you know. know. It's like, come on, two hundred and fifty. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying concern, it's not right, honestly, but it's like how they're going to navigate through it in two hundred fifty laps. I'll be there are stage breaks to split it up, but I'm curious to see how that's going to work because, in some fairness, I know what was it yesterday's press call. That what Austin Dillon saw because he was there actually won one of the feature races down there when they had all those 1400 dirt cars of all types of categories run. Does it like the stock car portion of the dirt racing was actually one of the more better ones and how they handle? So if there's some confidence there, that may that may help because I do think I know Austin is viewed multiple is, is viewed by a positive mix on a reception side of things, but I think if there's one dark horse, I say go with him. I guess I think he won the inaugural truck race at Eldora B. Larson, no less, but we'll see if yeah. his words is true because sometimes some people say stuff and then in return, we don't see it. See it like Brad Kosowski's all-star race format where it's like, it looked great on paper, but in reality it just was a pillow con. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that guys like uh, Austin will benefit from, uh, you know, having run those, um, you know, modified races, and I know that there's a number of the, the cup regulars are entering a truck, entering the truck race uh, mm-hmm. this weekend to to get some extra miles on there and get a bit of ha- better handling. And I think that's essential. I, I really do. I think that uh, you know, the more time they spend out there is going to benefit them, and it'll benefit the racing as well. And obviously, with the heat races as well, that'll give them an opportunity to sort of you know get the rust off as, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, fortunately, they have um, practice as well, so. Yeah, on Friday that will certainly help. But I'm curious to see who's going to meet that one guy that will be involved in multiple incidents because 
I can never forget the first time the truck series ran in Eldora. John West Hellish just could not keep that truck still. He spun it like every 20 minutes. One, <laughs> one of the practice. It was comedic, but also not pretty. Hopefully we don't see somebody spin it around half a dozen times in one session because well in one of the uh in one of the modified races um you know there's some like humps in on like defining pit lane entry and one of them caught that and uh somersaulted a number of times and made a real mess of his car so it'll be you know they've got to be a little bit careful when they're out there yeah so that yeah we'll see how it goes but i'd expect to see more than one red flag because i know we've been red flag free in the cup so here's a you know, here's but, an interesting question. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to, just thinking off the top of my head and thinking out no loud. Worries. You know, are the safety implications from running on a dirt track? You know, if, if a driver has a wreck, you know, serious accident. I mean, and thankfully the speed. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That Bristol probably won't be high enough for that to happen. But if, you know, hypothetically, a driver goes off and has a, you know, a big wreck, um, you know, w- what are we talking about in terms of getting the safety crews out there in terms of the time frame of getting somebody, you know, are their vehicles equipped to be able to, you know, have a rapid response unit go to the, uh, you know, get out onto the track? Well, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, it's probably... I think they have thing. a tunnel underneath Bristol now rather yeah, than I, I, open the crossover. We'll see. But if they require they may stop the race four so they could get cross. I don't know. But I could recall there is a tunnel underneath now from because that was one of the questions that Kelly Carrero brought up weeks ago. Yeah, you're not gonna see um is it Michael Waldrick where he decided to, you know, use the track exit a little bit early. I don't think we'll see that anymore. I think it's one of the main reasons no. why they moved it at the end of the back stretch. To, has to prevent it from happening again because it was oh, an sure. odd place to have a crossover gate or whatever it was when Walter Pitt and also Mike Herman. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, Bristol was small enough at a half mile that, the, you know, access to any point on the track is pretty quick from the infield. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's not like we're, you know, we're, we're at a Michigan or a Pocono uh, where, where there's, you know, uh, uh, a mile, uh, two miles. Yeah, almost. a mile yeah. or two miles to travel for the safety vehicle. I mean, you, you know, they're they're right there. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it is an interesting uh, question. It's a question that needs to be asked. But you know, the question I want to ask is: so, does running on the dirt with a cup car that's not really designed to run on dirt does it does it favor a guy with a lot of experience on dirt, or does it favor a driver who's very versatile? You know who's who's um, able able to adapt to change. If you think we've got we've got a couple guys who who are very good at certain tracks, and the then we've got other guys um, that are just kind of good everywhere, and and they're very versatile and they're very uh, you know easily adaptable to uh, change the situation. So I, I you know I, if you want to you know look at a guy like that you know um, as opposed to somebody with a lot of experience on dirt because you can you, know, you run those little sprint cars on dirt all day long, but this you know throwing this. Uh, Big heavy cup car out there is a totally different beast. Oh yeah, no, the it, it will be. That's going to be the fascinating thing, as I say. You know how you know I, I can't remember the weight off the top of my head, but it's uh, you know pretty pretty significant. And um, yeah, you know it, it 
it's it's not like these little midget cars that they run on the dirt that they slide the back end out. You know, it, they they will. You will see that back end step out, but um, it's you know it could all just go horribly wrong, couldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we get yeah. about five laps of green flag as the maximum, you know, and everybody like goes home after a hundred laps because there's no cars left. You know, I really genuinely do think you could see, you know, one of these like, and I don't want to be, you know, disparaging, but backmarker cars actually come through and, you know, gets you know get a top ten or a top fifteen just purely on keeping the thing on the road. I'm not keep. I'm not getting my hopes up on that one, with the exception of maybe Mike Marler and Chris Windham, because some people think that Windham in a Rick Ware car is by name the equipped, like the car and whatever is probably much better than what they have. So it'll help Windham have a great run. So we'll see. Hopefully, compared to that dreadful 2019 month of May that he had, he actually has a strong run so people can notice what he can do. Say, oh look, the dirt ringer actually do well because I know back when we had road ringers, at the tail end of that era, they were getting smoked. They were they only ran like tail end backmarker cars compared to back mm-hmm. then where they would sacrifice a full time driver to put in like like you had full time drivers not run road courses, especially if you're young, in favor of like a Scott Pruitt, Ron Fellows, or Boris said. Yeah, but yeah. I think you know. I think what what changed that dynamic more than anything is, is number one, the Cup guys got better at road racing mm-hmm. uh, as, as, as the years wore on, and some of the you know some of your old school guys that, that just wouldn't do the um, road courses, guys like uh, you know like Jimmy Spencer used to always sit out, um, and uh, yeah. I, I want to say Terry Labonte would sit out the the road course races as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, Terry Labonte would run them. If, no, if who, who am I thinking of? You're think you're probably thinking guys like David Stremme sat out one time. You also had who else? Mostly guys that are the tail end of the point standings or rookies, not run them and put it somebody else. Or if somebody's injured and they just and somebody goes in because I know that's how Boris said got the old one because Nadu had that accident in Richmond to where they summoned him in the old one car and won the pole. Yeah, you also Boris said uh, Ron Fellows was another guy who would uh, uh, be brought in as a ringer substitute for somebody. Yeah. Scott but, but, I mean, Pruitt as yeah, well. Scott Pruitt. Yeah, but I, as the years wore on, the, the you know the Cup guys just got better at that craft, mm-hmm. and then the you know the, the nature of the championship you know got to the where you you, you can't afford to miss a race. Yeah, I think if if would not run because they would put Villeneuve as well. I think. Yeah, but that is neither here nor there. So I mean, I don't. <laughs> we don't. But have yeah, any... going back to dirt. Going back to dirt. I want to. I want to. I want to circle back to the to the tire thing now. Okay. So what? Uh, do they use a grooved tire on these dirt tracks, yes. or they do? Okay. So so Goodyear is bringing a whole different uh, tire to this. Now, I imagine it's similar to what they've used for these truck races at, at Eldora. No. I don't think so. I was reading something on this. It's a, it's a, a type of tire construction they haven't used for about 30 odd years in terms of how the tires built up. Um, it's not a, um, you know, your typical sort of cord based tire that you'd see at the moment. Um, um, let me see if I can find the article and I'll get back to you on that one. It doesn't sound honestly surprised because I say I believe so, but then again, I'm not Bias sure. ply tires. Here we go. So they're going to be running what they call a bias tie plier. 
bias. Oh, Carrie, you know what I mean. Yeah, bias ply tires. tires. That's what preceded radial tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's the construction. Yeah, that's uh, that's going way back. Yeah, so that'll be yeah. interesting to see. But 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 it is a grooved tire. Uh, yes. help move some of that dirt. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's probably going to contribute to, uh, you know, the wearing down of the surface over the course of these 250 laps that we're going to do. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just can't wait to see how, I mean, I honestly, I wish NASCAR the best with this because people are excited about it. Number one, because it's something different. Number two, because it's a throwback to a bygone era having the cup guys run on dirt and um, you know, and it's uh, I don't think it's, I want to say it's gimmicky, but, uh, but if it catches on, you know, it's, it's, it's no less gimmicky than the chase or the, the playoffs. No. Yeah. Real quick about the good year of 30 year con. Cause I was going to allude to that while Richard was look, was looking up before he found a quick answer. It doesn't honestly surprise me in the sense because Goodyear and dirt racing have not been common ground because usually when it comes to dirt racing, it's Hoosier that reigns supreme in that type of category. Yeah, this is correct. Yeah, Hoosier is the preferred tire of most of the uh, uh, the, the dirt tracks. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be it. It'll be interesting to see. And also from the truck side, I'd imagine I haven't really looked too much into this. I think they ran a different tire, like what was it like the Goodyear Wrangler rather than Eagle. So of course, I was I figure it'll be different compared to what they had in Eldora. For those years that they that they ran at. All right, so this race is on. Is it a is it a night race or is it Saturday or Sunday afternoon? It's a day race for Sunday. The truck race will be in the evening at night. All right. Well, I for one, I'm looking forward to it. So, you guys care to try to you know pull a winner out of thin air and uh, tell me what you think? Let's see. I'm gonna for the cup race. You're obviously everybody's probably going to go with Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell, but I'm going to go stick with the dark horse of Austin Dillon. See how he can do in this one. All right. And uh, Richard, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to go outside of the, you know, your regular two, your, uh, you know, the, the, the two guys that everybody's going to think of in uh, Larson or uh, Bell, who, who's, who's going to be able to throw a car around there and keep it in one piece. I think we're going to have a repeat winner. We're going to have a repeat oh, winner okay. for the first time. And I'm going to go with Michael McDowell. Oh, Ooh, nice pick. Well, that's, I'm gonna, a, that's an out of left field. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, what I alluded to earlier, that a driver who is very versatile and win on all kinds of tracks. And I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, uh, also based on the fact that they're going to have some practice. Uh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, practice on the track because... You know, he actually did really well in the, one of the he modified races that he was in, the late model, whatever it was, when Austin and those guys were there. And Kyle Larson, like the big show on Saturday night at Bristol Dirt. So, yeah, Kyle, got to match a Kyle could will surprise some people. Honestly, it won't surprise me because if you mentioned their practice will help. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, Kyle's the kind of guy that I, I see can win anywhere, you know. And, yeah. and, and of course, Ed Bristol's been very good to him. I mean, he's got a couple of a uh, couple of brooms at his house from sweeping Bristol. So, but uh, yeah, so that'll be fun to watch. Uh, also, this weekend, Formula One will be in action. We're, we're getting yeah. ready to go. We, we've talked we talked about the testing a little bit last week. Everyone's rip raring, yeah. ready to go. Uh, we'll be at Bahrain, uh, where we've had a good amount of practice time uh, and test time. So, uh, 
now the the question remains. We talked to a, bit, a little bit last week. Is Mercedes sandbagging in the testing and and yes. and crying about? Oh my, we can't get the you know back end of our car. Yeah. To, yeah. So. I don't, yeah, I, it, I don't know really because they did have their woes it, compared to previous years where the sandbag oh, yeah. was clear. But you know, I, I find it a little bit um, arrogant of Mercedes, if that's the right word. At times, you know, they, you know, when when Hamilton wins by like twenty seconds, they they have their like race debrief YouTube channel thing, and they go, "Well, you know, we were monitoring the car really close, and we almost had terminal." No, you didn't. You're just saying that to make it sound more interesting than it really was. You had the in the back. You know, they're almost creating this narrative of, oh, you know, the car's about to fall apart. Come on. The tires are dead. Please. Yeah, no. Oh, if the race had been another lap longer, the tires will have fallen apart. Well, hey, Silverstone, they still won the damn race. So ain't going to make that Yeah, they still won. Or look at Turkey. Yeah, I just, they finally got away. I will tell you now, I, to my mind, and I think they should be, Mercedes should still be a clear favourite for this weekend, despite what's being said. Now, that's not to say that the the, the brilliance of Verstappen couldn't, uh, you know, upset the uh, upset the pecking order there. But uh, I, I genuinely don't believe that me, the Mercedes car is that bad or has, has gone that far backwards over the winter. And you've got to remember again, these cars are very, very, very similar from what we've seen last, you know, in the last few years. And you know, I still don't believe that the a Honda engine is on par with the Mercedes engine. So if if Red Bull are to compete with Mercedes, they must have made a huge upgrade in the aero packages. And I don't think this token system will allow that. The car may be more drivable, but, I mean, crikey, Verstappen could drive a shopping cart faster than most of those drivers out there. So I, uh, I question that greatly. I think that it will be Mercedes' race to lose. Which, right, of course, so, if they do win, they'll tell you how close they came to losing it. Yes, they say, oh, my gosh, we, uh, we only won by 20 seconds, but it was almost down, exactly. to, 10, it was almost yeah. down to 10 seconds if uh, there was another lap. So, but speaking of Verstappen, let's talk about him and the teammate situation for this year. Because mm-hmm. he's arguably got uh, in Perez the best teammate he's had uh, in a while. Mm-hmm. So, in a while, so, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes, yeah, definitely, since yeah. Ricardo left. Yeah, since yeah. Ricardo left. Since Ricardo left, he's got he's got uh, somebody that can perhaps push him. Um, you know, and 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 I wonder if that's gonna uh, how that dynamic's gonna work because I I, I kind of feel like uh, you know in a sense that uh, Red Bull is is just a bit building the team around Verstappen. Um, and, what makes and, you say that, Frank? Uh, the the the, the United the Kingdom Ricardo not there with Red Bull. The United Kingdom media, I you know I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. in in much the same way over here in the states that the um you know the Chip Ganassi team is built around Scott Dixon and the other yeah. guy the other guys are just supporting players. Since or, even left, SA, so. or even S A or even S A Harvick, which nobody brings up. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, I mean, do you bring think, home the money. Right. So, so Perez, uh, I mean, here's a guy that's pretty darn good, um, yeah. you know, race winner and whatnot. And I think he's got the ability mm-hmm. to, to push Max a little bit, you know, uh, you know, unlike uh, Lewis, who doesn't really need a push. Lewis really hasn't had a, a push since, uh, you know, Rosberg left. 
Um, yeah, he's, he's had, uh, you know, well, he's had, yeah, uh, it's Ruben, true from Ruben's Barrichello syndrome. Yeah. So, uh, but let's talk about Red Bull and the dynamic there. And then the other team I'm really interested to follow this year is McLaren. Cause I feel like McLaren yeah. is, is kind of primed to kind of get closer to that past glory that they've, uh, they've had. Yeah, no, you, you, you're very right there. I think, um, you know, they'll look strong, but, but if you look at the Red Bull scenario, there's only one person going to win out of that whole scenario and that's Verstappen um, you know Sergio Perez as you say race winner um, you know a experienced driver now he's, he's been around long enough that uh, he knows what to do and he knows how to get the best out of a car but I, um, I I just don't think that he's quite there you know, I think there's only maybe two or three drivers that really could push Verstappen to the level that he needs to be pushed. And I just don't think Perez is that. Now, to say that he's obviously better than Albon. Um, and I think, you know, let's put it this way. Perez hasn't come in to beat Verstappen from a Red Bull management standpoint. Perez has come in to finish fourth if both Mercedes and both Red Bulls finish the race. He's come in to pick up the podiums when something happens to one of the leading three cars. Albon wasn't doing that. Albon was coming home eighth and picking up a couple of points. So that's not good enough for Red Bull to challenge Mercedes for the Constructors' Championship title. That is the pure reason Perez has been brought in. Not to, I don't think Perez has been brought in to compete against Verstappen. And I don't think the team dynamics will ever allow it. You know, he may win the odd race here or there due to, you know, circumstance. But outright pace, as Ricciardo saw, He's not going to be allowed to win because the team is built around um, around Verstappen there, and to a certain extent, quite rightly so. So, I think there's going to be very clear pecking order within the Red Bull team. Yeah, uh, and that's you... the thing as well with Perez. It's like this is the first time he's put in a spot where he knows that he's got to have to, in a sense, play along, but also in a top tier equipment because when he had that one yeah. opportunity with McLaren, who. That was yeah, the beginning yeah, of the that end was, of that, McCl- was, that was the dark, the beginning of the dark ages of McLaren. Yeah, I mean that was the post Lewis syndrome, wasn't it? You know, the you yeah. know they went through drivers who were good drivers. You know, present there, Heike Kerberlein and in the Stoffel van Dorn. You know, they've had some. You good had Magnussen the, the following club. year when yeah, Paris went to you know, India. They've but had also, some good good drivers go through there, but not you know the, the, they've really got burnt a little bit. I think. Yeah, and also if the and, the, the, also, the big question is how can he dab when both of them, if allowed, to compete? Because we saw a little glimpse of how it can go wrong with him and Ocon for Zinia to where they were not, they couldn't compete each other anymore, and it wore thin. Yeah. It, it caused a huge strain that, for that time period. Yeah, that that was more on, uh, on Ocon than it was uh, yeah. Perez. I think I don't think Perez. Honestly, that. that's where I stand as well. It's yeah, like seventy-five twenty-five on Ocon. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think the the, the twenty-five there probably comes from Perez standing up for himself and yeah. not being seen as being too compl- you know compliant in these sort of situations. But I I, I strongly believe that. Um, you know, Perez will be able to push Verstappen, but still, Verstappen is in the right equipment. I think the best driver out there. And you know, Perez will be closer. You know, Perez will maybe be two, three tenths of a second off him, which is better than a second that Albon was at times. I mean, there was times when Albon was getting lapped, and he hadn't done anything wrong. You know, it wasn't like there was a 
a freak set of circumstances which caused Albon yeah. to be, you know, shuffled back. He was just comparatively slow. I mean, infinitely better driver than you or I, but there were still limitations there. And, mm. you know, Albon's, Albon was a stopgap um, in a way that I think Perez is a stopgap. You know, I, I can't see him being there for the long run. Um, I still genuinely believe that there's a potential for Gasly to go back to Red Bull in a few years. You know, he gains that experience. He gains that mental toughness to be in that environment. And maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, but and ultimately, the big thing I've heard Alpine in the mix as well with guests. Yeah, like... potentially. I mean, I, I don't know, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't massively impressed with Ocon last year. Um, he was all right. You know, partly partly because of his attitude. Him, but he was all right. Partly because of his attitude. You know, I think it just, I think it's, he has this like smug high school jock sort of mentality, a guy that you really just want to punch, not that I'm condoling violence. That's how but, some you know, people just, feel about Gregson, but that's besides the point. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, yeah, it is. It's that like, there's no humility to the guy, you know, it's just very, and you've got to have arrogance at that level, don't get me wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I 100% understand that, but there's a certain public image that you you can put up um but to frank's other point about uh mclaren yeah i think mclaren are on on the turn for sure um the to to my mind they were the most impressive team at pre-season testing um not because of the particularly i mean they did put some quick lap times in that but because of the way they integrated that mercedes engine relatively simplistic you know some without without really any major issues you know they just plugged it in and off it went um yeah unlike when they got the honda engine for the first time yeah and it it didn't fit in the car (laughs) yeah but that shows the level of professionalism of the mercedes group and and and, and the mclaren group because they, yeah, they are exactly. nothing else. They're, they're a highly professional organization. They are. And maybe that's been their downfall at times. You know, they've been too stuck up, should we say, to put it politely. You know, but it certainly it has been impressive, the performance there. And, you know, I was thinking about this. There's a lot of teams that you do put in that context, don't you? You know, the teams that you expect to see you do well this year, you know. You think, well, Red Bull will be better because they've got two good drivers there. You think McLaren are going to be better because, excuse me, they've got the Mercedes engine and arguably a pretty strong driver lineup. Not that they didn't have last year. You you look at Alpine, you think, well, they've got Fernando there now. They're, they're going to, you know, they're going to uh, move up a little bit. He's going to push the team on a little bit. You expect Ferrari to get better. You know, you expect Williams to improve. Toro Rosso have looked pretty quick in, in, in testing. Um, you know, you're almost struggling to find the teams that you think are going to struggle. Uh, you know, I think unfortunately everybody's is, is pretty, pretty much set on Haas really being the bottom of the pecking order. And yeah, I, I it, can't, know, that, I can't disagree with you. Yeah, I think they, David. Yeah, they it almost, it almost, almost feels like they're just throwing in the towel this year, and they're, they're looking at next year, well, like, yeah, like this season the throwaway. Yeah, and to a certain extent, that's what they've got to do. You know, they've got two young drivers in there who basically they're there to gain experience, to to my mind, you know, go through the season, do the race, do the hard miles, 
and and come back next year with a potentially more competitive car. Sauber looked pretty good. Again, Kimmy's probably on the way out, you know, in terms of his performance. You've got to question his, I wouldn't say question his commitment or his speed, but, you know, he's 41 now, 42. You know, there'll be that edge that maybe isn't quite there. And Giovinazzi is solid, but is he going to dig up any trees? Probably not. Yeah, um, can he be more than Aston just Martin at the start of the race? Yeah, you know, I just it's it's not yeah, you know, Alfa Romeo, Sauber, you know, whatever you want to call it. As much as I love seeing Kimi out there, it's not an inspiring driver lineup. You know, it doesn't get me. Oh, this is exciting. Um, I think Aston Martin are going to struggle. Um, I really do. I, I'd love to see Seb go there it's and kind of how and I feel with Ferrari to some extent. I feel like they're going to be yeah. right around the same. Except Leclerc's performance will be more, a little bit better on the positive end rather than do good but end with retirement or vice versa. Yeah, I, I, I do expect to see Ferrari improve. They say because the engine has been the one area of the car that hasn't been restricted by these token um, scheme, if you like. So I expect them to have, you know, regained some of the drop in performance that um, that they saw over the last. 18 months with their uh, engine um, irregularity, should we say, back in 2019. So you would expect to see them, you know, perform better. Um, as, as I say, I think that, I think the four teams that will disappoint this year will be Haas, Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin and Toro Rosso. Um, I just, I, those lap times by Toro Rosso during the winter weren't, right fundamentally because of you know they were activating with DRS at points of the track where they shouldn't have been that's a huge advantage um I still think Gasly will do well I think he'll I think he'll blow Snowder out the water to put it bluntly Snowder's good but you look at what he did in F2 and it was never amazing um and so I think those four guys will struggle and I think the other six teams will, will you know push up and um you know fight for that sort of uh, fifth place through to sort of twelfth, thirteenth. I think. Honestly, I'm still iffy with Alpine. I I agree with the four, but I would also, in my end, I'd include Alpine. I just don't know where I see them. They're either going to be run down the middle, battling with AlphaTauri, maybe Ferrari, or there's just going to be. I don't know. I'm still iffy with those guys at the moment. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, I think they'll be. They'll be picking up points, but I don't think they'll be pushing the podiums like they were at some points last year. I don't think they'll be fighting um, for third with McLaren. Or... No, no, I think they'll be fighting for like fifth or sixth. No, and, you know, I think um, the, I think the team that's going to be the biggest surprise this year is probably going to be Williams. Yeah, uh, because you've got they were the uh, only team you know, actually. If you look at yeah, you look at preseason testing, they were the only team that improved their qualifying simulation time over the race last year and they improved quite significantly so well, I think, they, they, I think they couldn't they well they couldn't have got much worse well, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean but between you know george russell who is uh eminently talented uh a nice new influx of cash in there um and you know a little you know some support from mercedes there i think williams is poised to you know jump up because they were the you know last couple of years they've been bottom of the barrel they've been the They've been lucky to get points. Like I remember Sir Rockin getting one point after a penalty through the whole Renault and Haas thing. Oh, that right, was a, right. So, but Canada, I, wasn't it? yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. Kubica, Kubica is the only guy that scored a point for me in the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, there's been times when Russell did sort of trip over himself. You know, thinking of Imola last year when he was in yeah, a strong Imola position and crashed his. into the safety car and, and the like. So you know, cut those silly mistakes, out and I think they'll be in a good position. I expect them to score points. I you know expect them to pick them up here and there. I mean, then I don't think they're going to be a regular point scorer. They may not even, you know, if we if we're sort of taking the assumption that Haas will be the bottom of the pack there. I, I don't think for a minute that, that Williams will be anything apart from one place above them. But I um, I would imagine that, uh, you know, they'll, that pack, you know, they'll be competing with, you know, potentially the Alpha Tauris, uh, the Alpha Moreos, you know, maybe Alpine in there. Um, and they've openly said the Williams guys that, you know, this is going to be a hit and miss car. You know, some races, they could go there and they could be, you know, comfortably in the top 10 on qualifying performance. But then there's going to be other races where they're struggling to get out of Q1 just because of how their car is set up. You know, they've deliberately gone there with a an aim of maximising their point scoring opportunities rather than maximising the car's performance. Because, you know, pretty much at the end of this year, the whole, every car in the, in, in the, in the field is going to be thrown in the trash can and, uh, you know, started afresh. So I understand where they're coming from, and I think it'll be a, you know, it'll be exciting because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's an interesting business strategy for sure. But I, you know, they want to guarantee some points at some places. Yeah, I think it's the right. right yeah, yeah, yeah. For from where from where they're standing, absolutely. All right, well, we've just got a few moments left. Uh, I do want to mention that um, talk coming out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is that. Uh, they would like to go forward with uh, having as many as 250,000 fans there. Uh, that's out of Roger Penske's mouth. Um, now, uh, you know, ultimately that's going to be up to the, uh, uh, you know, state government of Indiana and the local, local county governments there. But uh, it's looking pretty promising for us to have a good amount of fans there at Indy. Now we still, we haven't um, began distributing tickets or even released the ticket design yet. So that's all. They're talking mid-April on that, which is uh, about a month later than than usual. And you've got some of your indie faithful are a little worried that well, I haven't got my blue envelope in the mail yet. And, you know, you just got to say, hey, they haven't even unveiled a ticket design yet. You know, um, be, uh, you know, for for us folks that uh, go to indie every year, um, last year was so heartbreaking because they because uh, they teased us you know, with one set of tickets and then they postpone the race. And then we got a, a second set of tickets. And then, you know, at the last minute they say, yeah, you got uh, four souvenir tickets that are good for nothing. Uh, so <laughs> folks, folks are um, a little bit uh, hesitant to want to kind of uh, believe the good news. Cause, cause last year was so heartbreaking, but uh, I'm, I'm really feeling good about this. We've got the, um, the NCAA tournament is happening in Indianapolis. They've got a, a limited amount of fans there, but they've got a lot of folks in town for that. And and there's only been, I believe, one one incident so far with uh, some COVID cases. One team had to drop out of the tournament. So, uh, but overall, I think it's going well. Vaccinations are getting out there, so uh, I'm looking forward to Indianapolis getting back to normal. Um, and with that said, we are at the end of the hour. So uh, I mean, this weekend you got Formula One. You got Bristol on the dirt. I mean, what else could what else could you ask for? You're gonna have the two very di- very different, very interesting situations to watch. Uh, but until then, I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. I want to thank you, Richard. Thank you, Louise. And I want to thank you, folks that listen to us week in and week out. Till next week. Good night. <laughs> 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.